Welcome to Mindset for Success, a We Global Studios podcast. We explore the psychological challenges that many successful women entrepreneurs face while building their businesses and how they have overcome them. I'm your host, Dr. Leslie Knudsen. I'm excited to welcome today to today's show, Lucia Morcris. Um, I wanted to start by introducing her first, who's she's had an awful lot of exciting um, and uh, inspirational achievements. Dr. Lucia Morcris is a life science consultant based in the Bay Area. She specializes in coaching early stage companies enabling development of an investment technology and business model. Prior to establishing her consultancy, she was the chief medical officer of EpiBiome Incorporated. In her spare time, Dr. Mokris mentors early stage companies through the Springboard Enterprises, MassConnect, and California Life Sciences Institute Fast Advisory Programs. Uh, welcome, Lucy, and thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. Thank you so much for having me. Lucia, could you start by sharing a little bit with our listeners a bit about your growing up? Yeah, so um, I grew up in uh, mostly New Mexico, but moved around uh, quite a bit with uh my mom uh, went to actually four different elementary schools in in two different states, so mm. uh, had had a lot of a lot of change and and sort of learned how to adapt to change and uh, you know integrating into into new places uh, from quite a young age. Mm-hmm. So you were able to be independent and take care of yourself early on. It sounds like. Yeah, very much so. Um, my mom, uh, love her dearly. Uh, funny that we're <laughs> a day after Mother's Day. Um, <laughs> happy Mother's Day, Mom. You were exactly. kind of a handful. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, she, she really, she, she did her best, but, um, you know, she, she had a lot of issues to manage and, um, I was sort of, um, you know, not, you know, kind of hyper-focused on in terms of, you know, my, my physical well-being sort of almost being kept in a box. Um, mm-hmm. but as, as far as, you know, how, um, you know, how I was doing through all of the changes and the reasons for the changes, um, wasn't really in my mom's toolbox to check in with. So I really needed to learn from a very, very early age how to, um, manage, you know, myself, manage my, um, how I wanted to handle my way of being in the world and, um, manage my emotions as well. Um, right, right out of the gate, really. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, can you share a little bit about your entrepreneur journey, how you came from being a trained veterinarian to the founder of life science consultant? Yeah, so I am, uh, as you mentioned, a veterinarian by training. I did my postdoc at Stanford, and out of the postdoc, um, 
looked at industry and and you know had had sort of not really been exposed to industry much. It's not really part of our veterinary education to even consider it. And it's been a while um, in you know some earlier companies, you know, working in project management and then later as a medical advisor at a, a, a later stage startup that became. Um, that was acquired by Abbott and was was there for a number of years and just really found a not great fit with um, the large corporate culture. And when the opportunity came to become the chief medical officer of Epibiome, I really leapt at the opportunity because I felt like you know it was really a, a wonderful opportunity to contribute to something in a much more direct and impactful and meaningful way and you know leverage the the broad expertise that I did have at that point mm -hmm. um, and during epibiome really had an opportunity to participate in so many of the great uh, startup mentoring programs that we have um, around here in the Bay Area and, and also nationwide so you listed several of those in your introduction um, CLSI FAST, Springboard Enterprises, which is a wonderful organization directed at supporting women-led companies. Um, Mass Connect is another great one. Um, and through these organizations got even more deeply ingrained in the startup ecosystem and the, the value of mentoring. Um, once we had participated in the programs, I um, have made it my mission, you know, I believe that if you benefit from a program like that, you should always give back by mm -hmm. participating mm -hmm. in the mentoring life cycle. I think those those organizations are really fueled by volunteer in, uh, industry volunteer mentors. And so um, I've greatly enjoyed um, getting to know, you know, so many different companies and teams and other mentors through that experience. So much so that by the time I left Epibiome and had been at that point mentoring for a couple years, I really wanted to base my next career move around providing that kind of support. Um, and so that's where I, I uh, established my independent consultancy. So that's that's what one of the big reasons why I uh, became you know, from from going from a, a founder of a company, you know, looking to commercialize a single product to founding my consultancy, um, looking to support others who are doing the same mm -hmm. um, was sort of a natural progression for me. Mm -hmm. um, let me go back a little bit earlier to something you said. I think um, I can imagine that going out on your own must have come some for some must have come with some risk for you. And how did you manage this risk? Oh, it was an enormous risk. But to be honest, um, I think I'd been a little bit um, desensitized already by, partly by the epibiome experience, frankly. It was, um, although the company and the technology were successful in, in terms of the technology having been acquired, um, or merging into a into another company, um, from from a financial perspective, you know, without going into details, it actually was not. Uh, <laughs> there was no upside. In fact, there was quite a lot of downside. 
Um, but to, to, to back up from, from that, um, the, the whole journey going even into the entrepreneurship to the beginning uh, began with a really horrific bike accident that I was in mm-hmm. while I was still at Abbott. And at the time that I was at Abbott, I was would have considered myself very, very risk averse um, financially, not otherwise, because obviously bike racing is is not something that risk adverse people do who are <laughs> who are averse to risk with their physical well being. Right, but, sure, but sure. Financially, you know, I certainly, you know, I had I had purchased a home in the Bay Area by myself, you know, no husband, no family support, just, um, you know, no. 2000 post 2008 economic crash, you know, saw a moment to put my foot in the door, threw everything I had into it, you know, no down payment, just all in, you know, <laughs> hands down. But now, you know, of course, it was the the goal was to always keep earning up enough money and have the the income to to be able to support um, keeping said house and everything was fine at Abbott, um, except that I was starting to get very frustrated with the the job itself and and the the parameters of you know not really feeling like I was making as much of a contribution as I would have liked and and that my role was actually contracting rather than expanding post merger mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and. I uh, was training uh, again as a bike racer and was hit um, head on by a car that lost control on a corner. Um, I was going downhill. It was going uphill. By the time I came around the corner, it was already fully in my lane. And um, it was about a 60, I think the police report said it estimated a 60 mile an hour impact uh, Mm -hmm. head on collision. And, um, I was pretty seriously banged up and was on short-term leave and within two weeks uh, was laid off from Abbott uh, while I was on short-term leave. So the whole concept of risk and risk management had kind of already been involuntarily taken away from Mm -hmm. me because what I would have considered the risk before of leaving a company like Epibiome, where I would have never considered entrepreneurship coming from there. I would have, you know, I would have said, no, that's way too risky. They, you know, too many of those companies, nine out of 10 of them fail. You just don't know what's going to happen. And here I was at this major fortune 500 company being laid off while I was too injured to even get off the couch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And go look for a job. And right. so, um, so while my my compatriots were out there pounding the pavement and and finding their next move, I was still recovering and mm-hmm. lost a ton of ground there. So, I think at that point, and that's when the epibiome um, opportunity came up through a uh, um, you know an old acquaintance of mine who was mm-hmm. looking for support with the company and and. Um, we were ironically on a bike ride. <laughs> I was back on the bike at that point, obviously a few, obviously. You know, forward a few months right. um, of recovery. And, and I realized that, you know, the, the, the framing rant, managing risk, you know, it, it really truly is a mindset and it's, it's based on a lot of false assumptions about what you consider the actual risk is. So Mm -hmm. in my case, thinking about financial risk and job stability, 
the myth of job stability in a corporate environment was busted for mm-hmm. me in, mm-hmm. in a pretty major way. And, mm-hmm. and during a major, major time. And yeah, exactly. And so I think that just carried that, then that just carried forward. So, mm-hmm. you know, going mm-hmm. to Epibiome was an easy decision. It was exciting. Um, with consultancy, I, you know, people would say, well, isn't that even more risky? Cause you never know if you're going to have a client, you know, the next day or month. Mm-hmm. And I'd say, yes, exactly. But you know, you mm-hmm. know, what's on your schedule, you mm-hmm. know, what's on the books, you know, what contracts you've signed and what contracts you haven't. Mm-hmm. So if anything, I feel like as I've moved away from what people would consider traditionally probably consider less risky, um, moves to one that people might traditionally consider more risky new moves, I think the predictability has actually gone up. Because even at Epibiome, in a startup situation, you still know what your runway is. Mm -hmm. And you can Mm -hmm. do the calculation of, okay, what are the odds that I'm going to close that next round? What is my next move going to be? And I don't think most people in uh, a corporate situation are thinking about their next move in that way. You know, even Mm -hmm. if they're satisfied with their job they're not necessarily thinking in in really real practical terms um Mm -hmm. but then knowing that i think is very empowering because you know if you're sitting there a founder of a company you know what your runway is you know what you you know exactly what you need to do um i Mm -hmm. mean maybe not exactly it's a little bit of a a a bit of a stretch but you know more or less what's in front yeah you know what's in front of you and it's very empowering to be able to then make decisions and take action accordingly. Right. And you also don't rely on external uh, circumstances or external forces. It's, it brings the control to you. Exactly. And, and you know that you can't control what those investors say or, you know, what they're, what's going to work and what's not going to work, but with experience, you start developing a formula for, you know, maximizing those interactions and, you know, leveraging those relationships to, to increase the odds. And you realize that the whole thing is just a game of odds. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's the odds of like number of shots on goal, you know, mm-hmm. how many, how many shots on goal am I going to need to get to the right investors or to get to the right employee, you know, hires, you know, to hire co-founders or partners, or for me to find, uh, a, another client who's a, you know, who's a great fit and, and, you know, is, is going to be a, a, a great relationship to have. And, and you know, that you stop getting frustrated by the small losses, you know, so not closing with that investor or not closing that deal with a client. And you, you think of it in terms of, you know, I, I guess, you know, thinking of it in terms of maybe baseball, you know, where it's like, you know, not every at bat is a home run. Um, you know, it's, it's, if, if you're even batting, you know, to, to, to now stretch the baseball analogy, it's like, if you're even batting anything under a hundred, you're like amazing. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, so, so, but you know, it's just an odds game and, and you, and you take, you pay attention, you, you learn from, the the nose um mm-hmm. you learn the trip ups so you don't just blow them off and say oh well you know i can i need to get through 50 of these before i get a yes cross mm-hmm. that list but you study it 
you try to say, what can I do to increase the odds for the next 49? Oops, okay, that didn't work. Okay, what can I do to even further increase the odds for the next 48 uh, mm-hmm. people that I approach for, for investment? So, um, And you kind of bring up an interesting point, which probably it's been said before, but in a way, working for your prior corporate um, uh, work setting, there was more risk because you knew less. I was totally blind to their decision-making process. I also had no control over the decision-making process, you know, at least in, in, you know, as, as you kind of Go, move towards entrepreneurship you you at least control your half mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know and you have and you have a lot of exit plans not exit plans you have a lot, lot of backup plans. backup but ideas yeah, I would have never and I would have never guessed that a company would go so far as to lay somebody off when they are on short-term leave mm-hmm. having had mm-hmm. such a bad accident actually it turns out that that's not um okay but at the time I was too injured to really consult attorneys mm-hmm. and deal with that and know that. And so, you know, but, but point being there, I had no visibility to any of that. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I think that, you know, having, there's, there's a lot of empowerment in being able to face the unknown because honestly it's all unknown. And if you think it's, it's known, you're kind of tr- fooling yourself anyway, regardless mm-hmm your position is, whether you're in a corporate role, whether you're in a startup, whether you're striking out on your own as a consultant. Um, I think that the, to me, there is, there's great power in um, putting yourself in positions where you, you have more foresight. Mm-hmm. For some people, it doesn't work. For some people, it's just not a good fit. And they may right. say, hey, I'd rather stay at a big you know, a big company or stay in a situation, mm-hmm. a life situation, whether it's work related or not, that it's I, okay, if I sit down and think about it, I know that it's not predictable and anything can happen, but it's great comfort to me just to pretend like it is. And you know what? I'll, it's, I'll cross that bridge. If it blows up, I'll cross that bridge when it comes. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. and for some people that, that mindset is, works for them better. Um mm-hmm. But for me, you know, I think, um, you know, having uh, reframing risk in 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 a way that was empowering to me was very, very helpful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you another question. Um, have you ever experienced the well talked about imposter syndrome when you felt like you were inadequate and not worthy? Um and if so, how have you overcome this? All the time. Um, <laughs> all the time. Um, I think, you know, the first the first wave of this, obviously, when I joined, you know, going from the role I had at Abbott to a CMO was a huge, huge step. And um I, you know, initially was like, oh my God, I mean, I think. I know, I think I can do this. I knew, actually, I knew I could do it, but I just didn't know that other people would know I could do it. And that's, I guess, the whole foundation of imposter syndrome, right? Where you start projecting onto other people, oh, they're going to think that I'm not, you know, you know, experienced enough or, or that I don't have the right background for this. And, 
And, you know, and maybe you truly question that in yourself as well. I had a really great model in our CEO who was a guy and was a very guy guy. And sorry, guys, I don't mean to be like (laughs) offensive in any way here, but he was so incredibly overconfident. Um, I mean, just robustly overconfident Mm -hmm. in, in everything. Mm -hmm. And I realized that it worked, you know, and I, and I thought like, wow, you know, if he can go into a room and just, you know, he's very charismatic, you know, very, very engaging and, and optimistic, optimistic. And I knew what he actually knew, you know, but I thought, you know, well now darn, if there is the model, you know, for me to at least emulate. And mm-hmm. and I would definitely say it was kind of a fake it till you make it. Thing. Right, exactly. But I was going to say that, yeah. It was more like I was just trying to keep up with him in a way. So, I mean, maybe the competitive side of me, you know, was kind of helpful in that situation because I was really able to, to channel him and mm-hmm. say like, well, I'm not going to let him out fake me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. You know, even though we actually were both what now, what now I know with experience and hindsight and, and the benefit of years is we both know just as much as anybody else does. Nobody knows everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. When I became a consultant to it, 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 there was a little bit of, of struggle at the beginning because you get told no a lot. And especially mm-hmm. for like when you, when you have very, very diverse experience, which is not typical of the life science industry, people tend to stay very much in their lane. And there were a lot of roles or, or jobs or projects that I knew that I was very, very qualified for that would actually be a walk in the park for me. But technically, I hadn't done them before, like exactly that on paper. And being challenged and denied, you know, these opportunities over and over and over and over again Um, was another kind of phase, I think, of bringing me back to that place of, you know, feeling a little bit like an imposter. Um, But by this point in my career, you know, I just was so confident in my experience that I got over that. I'm going to say that was maybe the first couple of months. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, really got over that quickly. And that's one of the benefits of of mentoring, to be honest, is that you have an opportunity to get into a situation where you may not know that technology at all. Um, But when you talk, I mean, the specific technology, you know, the Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. life science company is doing, but when you, when you get in there and you are just really in, in, involved in the conversation and really absorbed in what's going on, things just start popping out of your head that, you know, you'll have some great advice that even blows your own mind. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. you know, and I think it's just such, you know, a safe place to, if you want to just sit back and and not, you know, especially these group mentoring things where it's like eight, nine, 10, you know, different mentors on the call with the, mm-hmm. with the company. Um, if you don't have anything to add to the conversation, you can kind of hang back, but, I think it's such a great confidence builder when you realize, mm-hmm. wow, I have a lot to add to this conversation that you would not expect based mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. based on my background. Um, as far as imposter syndrome and public speaking, it's funny. I just I got asked about this, and by public, I, I that can include an investor pitch that's not really right. public, right? But you know, you're in front of a mm-hmm. bunch of people yeah, for sure. It's a high pressure yeah. situation. 
Um, I really, there isn't, it's, it's just a numbers game. I think you have to just do it over and over and over again. (laughs) Fake it until you make it. Yeah. And there's, there's an inflection point and I don't know how or why or when it happens other than it's just repetition. I mean, maybe it's the same thing of practicing a piano or mm-hmm. practicing dance or anything where initially it's, it's so awkward and weird. And then it just becomes second major and you're actually focusing on something else uh, right. about what you're doing. Um, I, there's an inflection point where you stop thinking about what, they think of you or what you're worried they think of you or how you're coming across. So you're where you're either you're focused on yourself or you're hyper-focused on them and you become only focused on the content. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. your mind just shifts to only talking about the slide that you're on and only talking about the thing and really getting into the content um, and it's not like you have to force that. It just happens. So I'd right, say for right. people with imposter syndrome, just be patient and expose yourself repeatedly to that kind of situation um, in as many scenarios as you can, because your mind will just shift mm-hmm, away mm-hmm. from, oh, what do the people think? What do I think to whatever it is that you're trying to focus on? Um, believe it or not, Lucia, we are at the end of our time. And I want to thank you so much for your time to come on today. If you, if somebody wants to learn more about you, some of our listeners, what, how could they find you? Where would they learn more about you? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. So Lucia Mokris, um, L-U-C-I-A-M-O-K-R-E-S. I'm the only Lucia Mokris in the world, so I'm very easy to stalk. <laughs> if you need to uh, find me, you won't be confused on LinkedIn about which one I am. Um, my website is also on my LinkedIn profile. The, my consultancy name is AraneiBiotech.com. That's A-R-A-N-E-A-E. Um, if you can't remember, she said Arania something. <laughs> it, it's the order that describes spiders. Um, and there's That's actually a story on my website about how my company got named after spiders. Um, <laughs> so Arania is is the order that of, uh, you know, kingdom, phylum, class, order, family, genus, species, that it's the order <laughs> of spiders. So um, please uh, check out my website. Um, go to my LinkedIn um, and, uh, my contact information's on my LinkedIn. Thank you again. It was wonderful. You were great. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. This podcast is brought to you by We Global Studios, the first startup innovation studio and digital DIY startup platform for women entrepreneurs around the world. For more information on our guests, this podcast, and many other female founder programs, please visit weglobalstudios.com. I'm your host, Dr. Leslie Knudsen. Please drop me a line at mindsetforsuccess at weglobalstudios.com. See you next week.